Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Tacos and Tequila. I'm Peyton. I'm Sydney. And we are bringing you another case this week. I did not look up a good synonym for this, how to describe this case. Shucks. That's okay. <laughs> Just another another case, another week, another case. Yeah. Another day, another dollar. Basically. <laughs> it's uh, It's definitely one I've never heard of before, but I think it was a little, it was interesting. Uh, yeah, it was a, an interesting one. This is one I've known about for a while. That's kind of how it came to be on okay. my list of things. I was going to ask if you knew about it before, so <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I don't, I think I actually put it, we could talk about that. I think I actually put in here how it came to be. Okay, okay. Because, <laughs> you know, I find things very oddly, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, I just built up a list even more, (laughs) actually this morning, of potential cases, and I find them in, like, the weirdest places. Yes, those are, like, the best ones, though, like, if you just end up in a hole and you're finding all these weird cases, and it's like, (laughs) these are wild, why have I never heard about this before? Yes, that's literally, I read some of these and was like, oh my god, so, yeah. We have some interesting stuff coming, too, I guess. (laughs) I'm excited. Well, I have nothing else to add. Do you want to just dive right on in? Yeah, I can do that. All right. Diane Olkwitz was born September 27, 1947. She grew up in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin, which is a suburb of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She'd grown up in a Catholic home with her parents, Robert and Irene, and she also had five siblings. In November of 1966, things seemed to be going well for Diane. She was 19 years old and working two jobs, one at the Kenworth Manufacturing Company, which was a metal stamping plant as a secretary, she also was employed at the Dutchland Dairy Restaurant as a hostess. So she was really grinding her way to get all the extra money. Besides working her life away, Diane had been engaged to Donald Hurlmeyer. He had been drafted into the Army and currently was in Fort Hood, Texas for his basic training. On Thursday, November 3rd, 1966, Diane had started her day just like any other at Kenworth Manufacturing around 8 a.m. Diane typically worked until 4.30 p.m., although the factory workers had left at 3.30. So she would stay at the plant alone for like that last hour by herself and would answer calls and do like those other secretary duties, um, handle late packages, just get things organized for her day. Normally, Diane would pick up her friend Diane Zimmer after work, who had worked close by, but this Thursday evening, she never showed. Her friend Diane was worried and had gotten a ride to the Kenworth Manufacturing Company to see what was going on with her friend. 
Um, she had known that Diane had, so it's really difficult and very confusing in my head right now because there's two Dianes. Um, <laughs> in my notes, I had to write her friend Diane is Zimmer moving forward because I was like, I'm never going to be able to tell which and, one's which. In my notes, it's like friend, the friend, the friend, because it's like I just kept confusing myself. So her friend had known like that she worked a shift that night as well. She usually works shifts at the Dutchland Dairy restaurant after working all day, like her eight to four thirty job. Um, so she was kind of wondering what had happened. She knew she had other duties and it was out of the ordinary for her to not show up and pick her friend up. It was shortly after five PM and upon arrival, Diane's vehicle was still in the parking lot. And through the window of the building, you could see that her purse and jacket were seen on her desk and her jacket was hanging near her desk as if she had never left work. There was no sign of Diane at the plant. So her friend had had over to another local plant that Diane's brother, Dennis, had worked at. Just like Plant City. All the plants. I'm picturing like just like a huge industrial area yeah and yeah. I in my like in the pictures I was able to find too you can tell that there's like a bunch of other buildings around it so we're just walking around the entire plant park so they head over to the local plant that Diane's brother Dennis had worked at and had then returned to the Kenworth Manufacturing Company when they returned back to the company. They were greeted by a shift supervisor who had been coming in to work a late shift. The supervisor had unlocked the door, and there they found Diane face down in a pool of blood with 106 stab wounds to her chest, neck, and head. It was reported that about 30 of the stabs to her about 30 of the stabs were to her head and face. And about 35 were in rows down the sides of her back. And that was just, like, reading that. That's, like, a huge, like, massive overkill. Yes. Extremely. And also the fact that they were in rows was really bizarre to me. Like, I guess I'm picturing, like, that it was very exact the way that they were. So, like, I'm going to just go down your entire back and continuously stab you. Yeah, that was weird, too. So not only was Diane stabbed so horrifically, her nose was also broken, and she had defensive wounds on her hands and arms. Diane was found with her dress pulled up and partly off, but there was no signs of a sexual assault. There had been no signs of forced entry into the plant, and the police had immediately thought that her killer had to have been someone that was not only familiar with the plant, but also had known Diane's schedule, likely being someone that she had knew. So they knew that she worked that hour by herself. They knew how to get around the plant. Uh, They would know when people are coming and going, things of that nature. After questions and interviews of friends of Diane and others who knew her, there were six suspects, but all six had come to be ruled out after providing alibis. Those close to Diane felt that her employer's son was the one that was guilty for the murder due to him making advances and trying to take her out. He also, of course, had an alibi. But keep in mind, this is 1966. So things are a little bit different when it comes to, you know, the DNA evidence and the evidence that they're finding. 
feel like a lot of we've definitely talked about this before but a lot of those older crimes that come up they remained unsolved for so many years because they just didn't secure the scene or know how to process the scene the way that things get handled today yep so at the scene of the crime there was fingerprints lifted and other pieces of evidence these were sent to the fbi so the fact like this was 1966 and that they had even lifted prints i feel like is pretty wild to me just because that's very unheard of i will say like you just mentioned too like how a lot of these cases are handled that we've covered and i was impressed that i feel like they were extremely thorough yeah uh, i saw like including stuff where like that they sent to the fbi you mentioned those prints and like her bloody clothes like and meanwhile we've covered cases where like like Burger Chef murders where they wiped down the scene and like Kevin Showalter where they literally misplaced his clothes. Yes. And like, it's just absurd what happens. But even back in this time, I felt like they were super on top of it. Yes. And this was even, I mean, older than both of those cases. So the fact that they even were, you know, gathering those items, (laughs) getting the blood, looking for fingerprints, um, I guess I don't know what the police were taught and told to look for at a scene of a crime, but the fact that they did that was pretty wild to me. Yes, agreed. So in the 1990s, when DNA technology is getting bigger, a DNA, a DNA profile was able to be created from what they gathered at the scene. So those fingerprints that were lifted. Um, there was no match obtained, but profile. But police were able to go back to their prior suspects for samples as well. So they were ruling out the six suspects that they had just based on the alibis that they had. So they could actually go back to each one of them and be like, hey, we also need your DNA to put with this to make sure you're actually ruled out of it. Right. But, of course, the one person that they'd been most interested in a sample from had been the employer's son. But he had died in 1991 and was cremated. Yikes. (laughs) Even after getting a court order to exhume his parents to test them, there was no match to the DNA profile to him or any other of the prior suspects. Yeah, I just want to add, I thought this was super interesting because talking about how on top of it they were, like later on in the 90s, so mind you, it's been almost 30 years at this point, and they're like, hey, this new advancement, but this prime suspect we were really interested in is dead. They got warrants to exhume both his parents' bodies who had already passed, and tested their DNA to rule him out. And I thought that was, like, massively impressive. Yeah. At, at least to me, because I'm, like I said, we talk about all these cases where they, like, kind of botch shit. And I think it's interesting, I guess, that they would even go to those, like, the extremes of extremes of that. Because I didn't think it would be something that would be so easy to get a court order for that. Like, they must have had so many reasons to believe that this man was the one to be responsible for it. A hundred percent. 
Diane's death had taken a toll on her loved ones, most of them passing, still not knowing who had killed her. Her finance, her by what is going on her fiance (laughs) donald had returned to the army dying just two years later in south vietnam her mother had died of congestive heart failure in 1973 and her father of a heart attack in 1976 two of her siblings had also passed and those siblings who are alive are hoping for closure on their sister's case the case remains unsolved And one of the ways that I found out about it is that it's listed on the Menominee Falls website as an unsolved homicide with a reference number for anyone who might have any information on the case. So me being the weirdo that I am, um, the city that I live in also has like on their page and like on their Facebook page, they'll post um, unsolved homicides or like missing people like every single Tuesday or every other Tuesday. So, I was looking at one point, like, within the last five years to see if there's other cities in Wisconsin that have this information, like, on their police department pages. Um, People that are, like, most wanted or if there's missing cases, unsolved cases, things of that nature. And, like, there's actually a lot, like, of police departments that do that, which I was super intrigued by. Yeah. I guess I never really looked, like, outside of the state or, like, outside of the state of Wisconsin. But, like, in Wisconsin, it's very common, like, for any city or village or where they have all these unsolved cases or missing people and pictures of the scene and stuff. I was going to say, I am a part of, like, a Michigan cold cases page. and But it is more, like, person run instead of, like, detective ran or investigators ran. So I find that super interesting. And I also really love that they're still posting information and like following up. Every article I read ended with like, if you have any tips or whatever, here's who you contact. I mean, from what I read, even though it's technically a cold case, it's still like they're still coming back to this every few years and like trying to see if any new advancements can help solve the case and like all this crazy shit that like you would never... I mean, this is what you want to see in a case. Like, if something were to happen, you as the family members want to see them working on, like, this forever. Absolutely. I would say this is, like, the way it was handled from the beginning and, like, the way it's still being handled is, like, the ideal cold case. Like, that they're still following up. Even if it is only every few years, you know, that's more than some of these other cities or police departments that have, like, a million cases that they're, like, yeah, we're not following up on that unless someone calls us about it. Um, A lot of the articles, too, like, they're definitely, there's newer articles on it or um, new, like, not necessarily new information, but just kind of retelling the same case again. You know, we do have this unsolved case in Menominee Falls. Here's how you can reach out, yada, 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 which is interesting. And part of the reason why it kind of stuck out to me. Yeah. Um, One thing I also saw is that they said, like, today there is more than 3,000 documents about the case and investigation. And not only that, they've uploaded a scan and uploaded them all into an electronic database as well. Whereas a lot of times you don't see that. 
Because they lose them all. <laughs> yeah. And, like, they're not uploaded in the system. They're not easily accessible. And, like I said, they're still going back through it. And one of the articles I saw, like, every year they're still getting, like, new tips here and there that they're thoroughly investigating each tip. Like, the mm-hmm. detectives said, like, they will investigate every single tip because they don't really have any solid leads. And so any tip could lead them in a direction that they weren't prepared for. So, yeah, I thought this was really interesting. It is really heartbreaking because, like, you mentioned all the deaths that happened afterwards, and it definitely seemed like her whole family kind of just fell apart. Yeah, like, she was really the glue to their family. And after her passing, things, you know, People died and they all they died heart. so young. Like her mom was fifty, her dad fifty five. One of her siblings died in his fifties, like mm-hmm. from a heart attack or a stroke, and like all this stuff. And I was like, holy shit! Like you could tell that the stress that this had on them and like the heartbreak it physically affected them. Absolutely. Um, I did want to say too, or one thing that I kind of wanted to go on a rant about was because they have these there's mentions of the six suspects i couldn't find any mention of like the names of the people and it's just references like the employer's son um yeah there's not like a specific name but i guess like what actually happened to her um so i mean they ruled out the employer's son who was really the only person that made sense but the fact that it happened at her work, it would almost make the most sense, like, the police had thought that it would be someone from her employer. But I was also thinking, just, like, as a random other thing, um, her being... Uh, one of the things that was referenced in one of the articles I read was she was there for that last hour by herself. And one of the things she was doing by that last hour for herself was, like, getting late deliveries so what if it was like a delivery person that knew that she was always there late by herself like someone that was out of the business but still like connected to the business yeah so I also like that was one part that really stuck out with me is like her schedule she was there every day for that hour so someone could have easily known that if they were looking to gain access to her uh, because that was her set schedule and maybe not predicted that she would have been found so quickly because maybe they didn't know like she left there and picked up a friend. I have no sure. idea. Um, I also saw there was a theory that potentially um, it was someone that she surprised like that came back like some an employee or something that didn't expect her to be there. They didn't know she was going to be there still. And she kind of surprised them. But if that's the case, like, it just seemed like a lot of overkill for it to not be planned. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. And it would have to be, like, an employee that came back then that had either felt some type of way about her or, like, was extremely upset that she was still there, I guess, depending on their reasoning for why they came back. Yeah. It seemed more like a crime of passion and there was a reasoning behind. Yeah. I did but, also fall down a little bit of a rabbit hole. <laughs> so, 
So there are a lot of theories that Diane's case could be linked to a potential like serial killer. Yes, thank you for mentioning this. <laughs> so I got sidetracked on like a couple of the articles and was like, oh, I don't need this information. And then later on was like, oh, I needed that. So I could have pulled the names of the other victims. I don't have them here. But it was mentioned that there were three other stabbings of young women in the Midwest, but not just the Midwest, like specifically Wisconsin and Illinois. And it was like obviously never proved. They, I think all these cases are pretty unsolved. Or if one of them's like solved, they could never link the person to any of the other cases or whatever. But a lot of people believe that maybe there was a serial killer in the area at the time. Which I thought was interesting to look at because not that's usually not the case. Like people aren't like, oh, this is a murder of a serial killer. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I thought that was really interesting to include. And I think the biggest thing with that, because did you read on like Reddit at all about that? Or did you read an actual article on it? So there was an article that was linked I so I, I read a little bit on Reddit and Web Sleuths, and then okay. I found an archive, like, Illinois Journal article mentioning just briefly her. It was covering all the other cases. Mm-hmm. And so I was, like, kind of scrolling. I was like, eh, I don't really need this article. And then I found something else that mentioned the theory of serial killers and listed some of those victims from the other article and was like damn it where i couldn't find the article (laughs) to like include their names and stuff but because there was there are there were that was like an archived article from illinois journal in like the late 60s i'm trying to see if i can pull up because i had read that it was possibly linked to the Cheryl Thomas murders. And there was actually, like, a professor at UW-Milwaukee that was looking into it. They were similar in nature and were likely committed by the same person. And it was something that was, you know, unsolved. So go figure that all these cases are unsolved at this point. And they won't be able to locate anyone now being so old. Okay, so this, or I did find the article. So it's through Daily Illinois, and it was published in 1968. So, and it mentions these other people. Uh, One was killed on college campus in Madison Mm -hmm. in 68. She had been stabbed at least 14 times. There's another one who was stabbed to death in her bedroom in Kenilworth. I don't know where that is. In 66, and that was still unsolved at the time. Uh, It says, like, Illinois State Police, Wisconsin authorities, they're all looking into it. And then they have checked out 18 killings in which the victims died by stabbing in futile, futile efforts to try and trace the killers. Uh, They mentioned the two other young Wisconsin women, Diane and Mary Ellen Keldenberg of Kenosha in 67. Hey, I actually know that case. And she was stabbed more than a dozen times. So So I thought that was, this is the only one I could really find. I don't think that that one's 
I don't think the Muriel, you know, Coldenberg one. So the Muriel and Coldenberg one, not to get off topic, not to just go, <laughs> now that this is a part of it. Um, so it was definitely around the same time. But that, I think, is like a, um, like, organized crime-related thing. Oh. Like, there's a lot of um, whispers on that one around town that it's uh, supposedly related back to organized crime she was found like she was stabbed multiple times and then she was found like in a junkyard in like a hearse and it was supposedly like the hearse was like a reference to something that had happened and with the organized crime but i don't know this is all just speculation for me interesting okay still interesting it is around the same time though because that was in 67 yeah. So it, it definitely is interesting because I think the 60s and 70s, we saw like a height of serial killers, especially serial killers attacking women. Mm-hmm. I actually have one in my list that I had never heard of that took place in that time frame in Michigan. Okay. So not as big as, like, Ted Bundy or Ed Kemper or, like, anything like that. But, I mean, those are the age ranges for these victims. So I don't think it's, like, necessarily out of question that some of them could have been linked. Yeah. (laughs) But I I definitely found it interesting that they were even looking in that in 68. Yeah. They could definitely, I mean, yeah. It makes you think. It really makes you think, like, if they the, or it's the coincidence. The one thing I'll add, though, is I don't see anything about any sorts of, like, fingerprint or DNA matches to other crimes, even. Mm-hmm. So, even though that person's not in the database, they don't have them linked to anything. Now, because it happened so long ago, if it wasn't someone who was continuously perpetrating crimes and they could have died by now or you know even before 2005 or something like that odds are it would be very hard to like get something in the system maybe they didn't have kids maybe they you know anything like that but the golden state killer was caught off dna from like one of those ancestry dna kits from like a nephew so even if someone in their family, some I know it's a controversial topic for you, um, <laughs> but even if someone else, you know, one day does submit something, maybe they'll get a partial hit and then like can look into their relatives in that time. So how does it, if they get like a partial hit, like it'll say, you know, this is 20, you know, 20, 30% that it's from someone on this bloodline or whatever. Then they would have to go back, though, and, like... Yeah, so, from my understanding, from, like, the DNA testing and, like, what they do is they then recreate a family tree and try to eliminate suspects or narrow down the suspects in the family. So, like, if someone... If I were to submit a sample and they're, like, oh, they find this crime for from 66 and they can tell it's, like, linked to my... Uh, father's side of the family. They're going to mm-hmm. build a family tree and eliminate people based off of whether they were in the area at that time or like anything that could physically prove it. 
it's easy for a lot of like my dad's family they were in the military like a lot of them were in the military and were gone you know what i mean so like you could trace back those records and be like oh they weren't even in that area or oh they were stationed here at the time um so it could be a little easier but then like also you'd want to try and like eliminate by age and then you want to try and figure out if they match like it's like the golden state killer they had a profile for this man and so when they got to him they felt very strongly that he fit the profile and eventually while following him they basically caught or picked up a piece of garbage that he Uh threw away uh or a cup he threw away and tested the dna and it was a confirmed match now, we wouldn't necessarily have that in this case if someone passed away. That's what I was thinking. Like, are they just going to exhume a bunch of bodies? I mean, they might. They might. To at least get an answer. And, like, that person might not ever see any, like, justice, obviously. But yeah, to get answers to Diane's family. Yeah. That would make sense. And especially, like, if they were able to narrow it down enough that there was only, like, one or two people and both of those people were dead, they probably definitely would fight to get that exhumed. If it was, like, a bunch of people, I feel like they'd still try and narrow it down. They're not going to yeah. dig up the whole cemetery if they don't have to. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, the detectives seem on top of it in this, too. Interesting, though. Interesting the way things work. Shout out to the Menomami. Men- Menomami. <laughs> I just Men- totally but- butchered Men- that. Menomini. Menomini <laughs> Falls Police Department. Men- Menomini. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Those crazy, <laughs> crazy Wisconsin Native American names. Okay, but I love it because we also have a lot of those cities here in Michigan. <laughs> and I can't pronounce them for shit. Yeah, but like some of them I know so easily because I'm like, oh, I know that city. And same for you. You're like, oh, I know that one. <laughs> uh-huh. It's funny how that works. But it's, it is funny, though, too, because, like, I can tell the ones in Wisconsin, and you can tell the ones in Michigan. But then as soon as I go to Michigan, and I'm, like, reading the freaking signs, I, was, I don't remember. I said something for Mus- Muskegon or whatever. <laughs> and we were like, no, it's Michigan. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're trying too hard. I'm like, no. It's okay. I was reading an article the other day. Or, no, I came across something on TikTok. I'm, I don't know what it is. Okay, I fell down a TikTok rabbit hole. I spent, like, two hours last night. I don't know how it was two hours <laughs> on TikTok. And I must be picking up my location and that I always like or subscribe to people in Michigan. Uh, so I've been finding a lot of Michigan-based stuff. And they were, the one was, like, like a pond and river scuba diver, which I thought was super freaking cool because you're seeing all this stuff and they're picking up garbage. Like we went tubing down that one river and it's literally like rivers that people go tubing down and you're like, what the fuck are they finding down there? Um, they're just picking up trash. There's like unopened beer cans and I was like, yep, we definitely lost a couple of those when we went tubing. Like, Yep, it all makes sense. But anyways, I was watching it and all these comments and it's so funny because I know people can't pronounce it and it's the river is A-U space S-A-B-L-E. So it sounds like Sable or it's spelled like Sable, but it's Osabo River. (laughs) So like that's another thing that I'm like, oh, that I know that river. I've gone down that river. (laughs) 
It's just per- really funny apparently, how I've happens. gone down the river too, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> it's it's funny though. I, I I guess like how satisfying that stuff is because you're watching people pick up garbage out of the lake, and I do that with like people cutting things. You know, like when they like cut food. Oh yeah. Or like cut pieces of paper. And I'm like, why the fuck am I watching videos of someone cutting a sheet of paper for 45 minutes? But somehow my algorithm gets me on the fridge and pantry organization, like the ASMRs organizations. And I'm like, I don't know how I got here. But then next thing you know, this morning I'm scrolling Amazon like, oh, should I organize my fridge like this? I'm never fucking organizing my fridge like that. Like, let's be real. That's the thing that hurts me. I'm like <laughs> convincing myself I need to buy these items, but I know as soon as they come, I'm not going to put them to use. 100% same. They're going to gather dust in the corner. Well, that's all I really have to add. Yep, that's really all I have, too. If you know anything or have any additional tips, um, you can easily access the information. I also found a website, Diane, it's literally her first and last name, Diane, mm-hmm. O-L-K-W-I-T-Z.com. And it looks like it is still being maintained. The only thing on there is like a little blurb about misinformation and, you know, her killer's never been caught. And please, if you have any information, you can submit a tip anonymously even. And it is being maintained by family members still. So, if you uh, do your Ancestry.com stuff and you're in Wisconsin and you want to get <laughs> your uh, great uncle to go to prison. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> it's messed up, but it can happen. It can happen. Well, you got some jokes and facts for me? I do. Yay. What do you want? Um, I like going fact first, so we're going to stay with that. Okay, so tortilla chips and salsa were so popular in Texas that they were listed as the official state snack in 2003. Wow. And I did fact check this one, and it's actually legit. I'm a big fan of that fact. <laughs> pretty interesting uh, little tidbit for you yeah big fan that was a good one okay hit me with the joke i'm prepared how do robots eat guacamole uh, how with computer chips <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i was not expecting that one <laughs> That was a good one. <laughs> last week was a little lame, in my opinion, but... <laughs> what was last week? So let me look. I don't remember that. Oh, <laughs> how, how do quesadillas solve crimes? They yeah. Take, take them case by case. <laughs> but the computer chips one, that was a good one. Thanks. Big fan. Perfect. <laughs> Well, folks, you can find us on Facebook at Tacos and Tequila Podcast. On Instagram, it's just Tacos and Tequila. 
We also have a website, tacosandtequiliapodcast.com. It has links to all our episodes as well as our sources and our summaries. You should also, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave a rating or review. It helps us get noticed, and it's pretty cool to get those ratings and see those numbers go up. Big facts. And I think we have some exciting things that we're trying to figure out. Trying. Uh, (laughs) I will also say we are quickly approaching a year now, which is exciting. And I think we have discussed something for our year. We have. Yeah. So we'll have something fun for sure coming out for our one year anniversary. But in the meantime, you know, like and subscribe and review and follow us on social media and kind of stay abreast of what's coming because we are trying to do some fun stuff. Yes. And you won't know if you don't follow us. Exactly. Big facts. (laughs) Well, uh, I have nothing else to add to you, Sid. No, I don't think so. Cool. We will talk to you guys next week then. Bye. Bye. Ha ha ha!